You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a, a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit mortonbuildings.com and start your construction process. With superior materials, craftsmanship, best-in-class warranty, Morton buildings are made to last for generations. At Morton, the difference is in the details. From their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field, they are dedicated to surpassing expectations. Their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years, and Morton buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit MortonBuildings.com to get started today. I know you'll be alright, even when times get hard, and you feel like you're in the dark, you will see just how beautiful life can be. When you soften your heart, you can finally start to live your truthiest life. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Truthiest Life. Hope you're having a great day. It's your host, Lisa Haim, and I'm very excited to bring you this episode with Jenny Moness, child educator and founder of Union Square Play. Before becoming a mom, I followed Jenny and I would look at her page and look at the cute pictures of her kids and scroll on. Now that I am a mom, I read every caption line by line, digesting every seed of wisdom that she implants. I think that one of the worst things we do as a society is the highlight reel of parenting and raising children. I think that for new parents, it's really shocking when you are living in the reality of Dealing with a child that is constantly changing, wanting to respect them, trying to go about your own life, losing patience, but feeling guilty. I mean, all the things that go into being a parent and raising a little one, it comes with no manual. And it is a jarring contrast to the image of parenting that we see online in static photos of people in their, you know, Christmas outfits in front of the Christmas tree or Thanksgiving in their cute outfits. There's so much that goes into getting a child to wear what you want them to wear or eat at a certain way at a certain time, all of it, right? And it can break you down. It can feel isolating. It can feel like you're the only one going through that. And then in comes Jenny on her Instagram, sharing specific examples in her life as they come to fruition of raising little ones while being a working mom and the real challenges that happen within a home, within a relationship. And what I love most about Jenny's approach is that we are returning and learning. I'm learning for the first time how to raise a child that truly respects them as an individual, not treating them as a baby that doesn't have a voice, but rather understanding what's underneath their tantrums, their frustrations, and how we can help them feel safe and supported through every single transition that they're going through. 
What I love most about you all is that regardless of if you are a parent or even want to become a parent, you all listen with open ears. And I think that this is an incredibly valuable educational episode and also shows the power of leading with vulnerability and openness rather than pretending to be perfect. I hope you love this episode as much as I do. If you do, please go ahead and share it on social media or share it with your friends and family. The more we pass along this information, the more supported and less alone we feel when it comes to parenting. Okay, Jenny, I'm so excited to finally have you on The Truthiest Life. Welcome. I'm so excited to finally be on it. Thank you. You've got this big New York City background, but you are seemingly very calm and chill despite being a very busy working mom. How on earth do you maintain this chillness while managing the work that you do, which we're going to get into, and also your household of kids? I feel like that's my MO externally, that I seem super calm. I don't know if it's like my voice and demeanor and that I've worked with young children for so long, but inside it's not that way. (laughs) And not that it's inauthentic. I think it's just kind of radical calmness and not exuding, you know, the inner stress of everyday life. You know, I think I'm more mindful of it, especially as a parent and that it's kind of just always there, but really figuring out, and I'm sure you have many of them, these kind of internal tools to keep it at bay. Obviously, there there are a lot of working moms in the world. And there are, I know now as a working mom, like how challenging it is. But one of the things that's unique to what you do is that like, your children are kind of part of your work because you are teaching people how to parent by way of your Instagram account. That's what I take away from it. Your Jenny Moness Instagram account, there are two, both your company and your and your personal. But on your personal, you are sharing like how to parent, which involves your children. So it's not like when you step away from your children to work, like you're this other person. You're kind of all in all the time. Yes, for sure. And yeah, a lot of times when people are asking for insight or guidance on how to parent, you know, I'll give maybe some suggested scripts or inspiration. They're like, yeah, but how do I say it that calmly in the moment? And I think it's a practice. And like you said, it's not separate for me. It's all together. And so it's become who I am. And I really always say that parenting and kind of intentionally parenting can change who you are as a person for the better and your other relationships. So Mm. yeah, I wouldn't always have considered myself as calm, but I think now it feels like that because of how mindful I've become since becoming a parent, you know? That's awesome. I love that. So you are the owner of Union Square Play. Can you share what Union Square Play is exactly? Yes. So our kind of mission statement is that we make the early years of parenting more fun and communal and a little bit easier. I think I changed the order of that. But those are the three things that we pride ourselves on hopefully doing with our entities. We have three of them right now, two in New York City and one in New Jersey. And really, we just want to embody that it's more than just the play classes we provide within each center, which is for zero to, I'd say, three, four years old with a caregiver. And it's really meant to be more than that by bringing together their caregivers, parents, family members, whatever grown up is with them and creating a community that's centered around the young children, but also is very much tied to the people that take care of them. So it's meant to be a supportive place and not just a place to play. Right. But the play itself is also a little bit different than traditional play centers. How does it differentiate? Yeah. And I always forget that because to me, it seems like intuitive, but it's not. But it's it's more going with young children's innate desires to play and explore and realizing that they absolutely have that motivation to do so right from the start when we give them the opportunity. And so often, you know, when you haven't lived and breathed with infants and toddlers for as long as me or or kind of made it your career, you think you have to like do so much in the area of Mm. play and that you have to teach young children how to play, but they really like are born ready to explore the world. If you think about it really on the most you know, basic level, they're 
humans inside of a womb and then they're seeing the world for the first time like we forget that and when you really really embody that and believe that you realize like the world is truly their oyster whatever that term is like there's you really don't need to do much or provide so much and then you get to really know who they are and also like one of the things i've realized since becoming a parent is that like the world is their oyster but also it's so stimulating so frightening and we have to provide that safety a friend of mine just gave birth and she gave birth at home and i i came by to say hello really quickly and the husband, you know, they have two babies and he was like, first baby, super chill. This baby and like it was 24 hours I was at their house and he's like this baby like she was up all night screaming. I, I don't know if he used the word like bratty, but like something like that. And it wasn't like directed at the baby. It was just like describing the behavior. And I was like and it was only something that I would say after having a baby. And I was like, but she she just got out of the womb right. like a minute ago. Like this is so scary and overwhelming. Like, and no hate to him. Like it, it didn't come from like a place of even frustration yet. They were 24 hours in, but I totally hear what you say. Like the world is theirs to explore, but I try and really go back and see it from like their point of view of how scary it is. Yeah, absolutely. And to be fair to that father, you know, I had worked with truly infants and toddlers before becoming a mom myself, like starting at three months old. That was like my job in the classroom, all that. So in my head, I was like, I'm going to be an expert when she comes out. (laughs) My firstborn came out. I couldn't calm her down. I went to the nursery at the hospital and was like, I am supposed to be the baby whisperer and she won't stop crying. Like, please help. And so in my mind, I'm like, oh, I got one of the tough ones. Like you, it's really hard to not reflexively be like, I have a good baby or not a good baby. And I'm so anti that in hindsight of myself too. And really realizing like she was like struggling and stuck and we don't need to go through birth story, but like, I don't blame mm-hmm. her for coming out like angry and really like struggling. I'm so glad you, you said that because like so many of these things are normal to you. You don't call a baby a good baby, a bad baby, a good sleeper, a bad sleeper, a good eater, a bad eater. It doesn't sound like, but we reflexively do as a culture. And I'm super conscious and trying to like learn as I go, but it, it is really challenging because those are the questions people ask. Oh, is she a good sleeper? Is she super fussy? Is she this? I'm like, she's just a, a baby, you know? And it's like, I don't even know how to navigate this conversation publicly without being like, can you not call it good and bad? You know, it's not my place right. to like, you know, educate the world, but it- It's hard, yeah. So for our listeners, uh, Jenny and I know each other personally before I had a baby and I followed and, you know, liked what you were doing. Like one of my good friends had a baby and I went to visit her and the baby was playing with like no toys. The baby had no toys. The baby was playing with like salad spin and just salad bowls and I was like this is weird but like I don't really get it she's like you have to follow Jenny Jenny says that you need you know just do this this and I'm like okay sure I'll follow Jenny when whatever so I was always following along but before I became a mom it was just like mumbo jumbo to me like blah 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 I was like okay like it she's doing cool things want to support her once I became a mom it was like wait Jenny said what you know (laughs) and I'm like reading each thing and I'm like okay this and even though your children your your girls are older than mine right now like there's still so much learning that I'm getting from your page. One of my good friends, Irene, is like one of your biggest fans. And she said a million times a day, she asks, what would Jenny do? Her baby's older than mine. She's about three. And I'm not there yet. So I can't really say what it's like. But every stage comes with new challenges. And when they're like verbal and know that you go to work and everything like. I also ask what would Jenny Monas do. <laughs> Your higher um, self. No, it, I guide myself in that way, but like just a testament that people like Irene and you really motivate me to be mindful of that. But yeah, it's it's so true that I'm like when I was agreeing as you were talking that even though you're you know Soli's younger, that it's so applicable because it's not like they become human at a certain age, but of course you take all of it and apply it at a way that feels age appropriate. You know, for instance, you know, they won't be able to talk and respond in that way, but they can respond in other ways as young as actually solely as verbal, but you know what I mean? Even a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But that whole like reflexive, are they good or bad? And realizing that I was even kind of prone to that when I became a mom made me realize how much I wanted to share how hard it is not 
to go there and how hard it is to like remember, you know, that they are born as real people and all Mm -hmm. the whole, you know, like respecting them as such and, you know, not believing that it should just be like an on and off switch. Like some babies are maybe easier to figure out. But when you, you know, the same way you would say humans are, right? Some are harder mm. to read and that goes for babies too. And so like reminding myself of that and being, you know, lucky enough to have like really dove into kind of all respectful parenting before becoming a mom and then realizing how hard it was to maintain that. And then thinking of all the people that don't know about that before becoming a mom was what inspired me to just put it all out there and in a real way like there's so many times I'm like I know this sounds really easy for me to put out there and it's hard for me to work on like let's work on it all together type Mm. thing and I think that's what your Instagram you know kind of comes through it doesn't come from this like higher than now I have it all figured out thing because every single stage seems to be harder than the next I'll also share with you all that like Jenny and I have this very special funny moment where Evan and I were new parents. Sully was about three months and our, I've shared previously, like our relationship was like really hit a rough spot around that three months. Exhaustion was kicking in. She was not a quote unquote good sleeper. She, she was not sleeping through the night. Let's just say, you know, at three months as so many people where I live, like seemed to be falling in. I was doing a lot of it on, on my own, whatever, just, you know, we were just butting heads as many parents do. And we got into one specific fight and somehow we connected with Jenny and we're like, let's get her opinion. And (laughs) we had Jenny on the the three line call to try and help us figure out like the best thing for Soli because Evan and I were disagreeing. And I just like exploded and cursed at him. Like, and it was just like, you were texting me. It was so normal to me. (laughs) But you were like happy that it happened to me because you didn't think through my Instagram, like the versions of our relationship that you've seen that like I could have those moments too. Absolutely. No, for sure. And there's been times that, you know, Lisa's referred to it and it was refreshing in the way that, you know, we had been through a similar three month, not easy sleeping baby situation that like it's impossible not to kind of have your relationship impacted by that and not in like a way that's irreparable or that's not you can you know it just becomes harder when you're a parent and it just showed how real that struggle was I think I like refer back to it so much, not because of me and Evan, but because of like the connection that or bond for me that it gave with you. Like when moms are real with each other versus like everything's perfect at home. And I know that that's not like a natural quality in a lot of people, but but it is for us. (laughs) It is for us. But like that was such a like we're, you know, taking a layer off and showing it to you. And I like in no way was in bad. I, I apologized to you, like, because I wanted to respect my husband for like, cursing and it wasn't, you know, I had to apologize to him and apologize to you. But at the same time, like, I just think that so many times moms are afraid to share yes. the hard parts of it. And that is what is leading to the deceptive nature of motherhood and, and is creating such an ultra shock of how hard it is at every stage. Absolutely. And I was like, glad that it was with me on the phone and that I could respond in such a hopefully warm like oh do not worry about me here type thing like yeah Yeah. but it's so true yeah your your resources are are kind of geared towards both parents and children because at Union Square Play although you are creating these villages the play is for the children and it's not I know it's natural for you to think of these like specific types of objects that you're exposing them to, but for a listener here that might only buy, you know, certain types of toys, like how do the toys in traditional settings differ from Union Square Play? Like I talked about my friend who follows you or was friends yes. with you and follows you that had only kitchen items. What's going on in Union Square Play specifically for the children? This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. 
You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Yeah, and it's funny, as you were saying that, I recently did these little play bundles as like sort of a passion project just to kind of deliver at home kind of those objects, you know, age appropriately and surrounding like people's pain points, like I really need help at this time or that time. And as I'm sending these bundles, I'm like in it now, I'm like, I like really want to know what they're thinking when they open this, because it's like a salad spinner. It's like some of the things that we're talking about. But really what inspires me to utilize materials like that, besides that, you know, it's maybe been within a classroom or other educators that I've worked with that we've like realized like the nuances of certain materials and how they can really foster things with children that toys can't. So, for instance, a salad spinner is very similar purpose wise to a jack in the box you know, putting a child's cause and effect into place. When I do this, this happens. So when you push down on a salad spinner, it spins and a child can see that visually with a jack in the box. They don't see what's happening internally. And it's like, oh my God, this clown, it seems so inappropriate to me and like way overstimulating and scary. And they can't see like internally what's happening. Even a rattle, there's nothing wrong with a rattle, but why not utilize something that a child can see the sound making. So there's certain rattles, like keys, you know, play keys. When they shake it, they see the things clanging Mm. versus like a egg shaker when they can make sense eventually that that's making noise, but they can't see what's making noise. Mm. So for me, what inspires me is really thinking about, you know, education wise, what I know they're capable of cognitively and how to really use materials appropriately for their cognitive place and also to challenge them cognitively as well and making connections you know I think so often it's like what will appeal to babies with toys that seem cutesy or colorful and not really thinking on that like sort of scientific level and I don't mean all toys but I also love the connections that they can make between like oh I can use this in my way and mommy uses it to cook or you know so many times people are like my kids want the non-toy you know all those oh yeah And it makes total sense. It's like, why do we have things that are only for them besides if it's more safe? But absolutely, we can use everyday objects that are safe for them to explore. It's not like, you know, otherwise it's like one day, okay, no more toys now, real thing. Like, it just seems like another way that we can, and I don't mean like we're disrespecting them with toys, but another way we can really like honor that they're people and Mm -hmm. use things that are more intriguing in that way. Yes, there was something on your website that I thought was really well said. And you called them like open-ended play materials that engage versus entertain. And it's just so interesting. I mean, I was, I still, I still fall into this a lot of the time if I'm alone with, with her. Like I work up so much energy trying to be the entertainment 
when like if I just lied on my back, she would be actually probably I mean, nothing wrong with me being the entertainment and making her laugh. But like if I lied on my back, she's crawling on my body. She's, you know, grabbing my nose and saying nose like I definitely fall back into thinking I need to like do so much to educate, to stimulate and really like I have to remember to let her be the explorer. I actually remember coming to your class this summer. You had a pop up in the Hamptons and we were out there for one week. And I've taken her to so few classes, but she was like doing things. And I went to like interrupt the process to be like, no, that doesn't go there. And you like moved me out of the way. And I was like, I don't remember. I was like waiting for you to say something like that. (laughs) But you were like, no, let her, you know, explore, let her spill the water in the wrong place, whatever it was, you know, there were just these open bins of just like water in bowl and pom poms in another container. And she was like putting them back in the wrong places. And I was you know, I don't know. I didn't want her to leave a mess. So I, I was, right. and you were like, no, just like, let it be. And I was like, oh, okay. Jenny's saying, let it be, let her explore. And I had your calmness too, allowed me to better let her do her thing. I think you're so right that I, I didn't even like, there's so many components to this, but really that whole point that you just made is thinking about how much we bring to their experience, you know, in our mind, like in the example you just gave, you were bringing to the experience you're focused on like, maybe it's a mess or there's a wrong place or a right place. And so often there's so much of that, that we're giving little opportunity and not that you did this, but to see like just what they would do. Yeah. I I just think it's, it's so beautiful to allow them to be, let them be little is like the phrase that my friend Leah told me about, um, who like has a very opposite approach to raising children than the typical New Yorker that I know, you know, she's not rushing her kid into a twos program. She's, they're on no sleep schedule. Like she's just letting them roam. And while we each need to find our own, what works for us within our family, one, not good, one, not bad. Like it's so helpful to hear the refreshing side of what someone else is doing. That's radically different than what you know. And, you know, we talk about forking the noise when it comes to, to life a lot, but with parenting, it definitely keeps coming up for me. And, with anything, you know, someone could listen to what you're saying now and, and be like, I'm going to go throw out all of my toys. They're too entertaining, not engaging. Like, what would you say to somebody that is now worried that their child is learning and let's call it, they're taking this as the wrong way? Yeah. Like, I think when it comes to that, it's, it's like you said, finding your balance and forking the noise, right? In any which way. So I think at first for me, there was a lot of noise on not being disrespectful as a parent. And like when I would have to like shush her, you know, to soothe her, I was like, is that disrespectful? And similarly, if like a grandparent brought over a toy that was electronic, I'm like, oh my God, That's what I was gonna ask you. too entertaining. And I leaned on that on like an airplane or, you know, like I have a section of my website at the time that was like the non or like the emergency toys. And that was in that, you know? And I think, one thing that I really want to hone in on with that is that this parenting approach might seem more overwhelming than not when you hear about it like this, like I need to go throw away all those toys, but really what it's meant to be and why I really lean into it so much and spread it so much is that it's actually quite the opposite and should be liberating. Like, okay, you can leave those, but you don't have to have those. And instead of like feeling you have to go throw it away or donate it, just utilize it for moving forward, utilize this information moving forward. Like maybe I don't need to get every toy that I feel like I would have needed. And maybe I take what we have and put out five this week and then maybe take out three and put two, like, you know, simplify. Mm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Nothing is like going to be damaging. It's just more, you don't need so much of that. I just think that's really great advice because we have, you know, I was one of those people that was like, I really, we don't want a lot of toys. Evan and I didn't want the buildup. And every time his mom comes, who I love, she comes every day, she brings a little something over. It's just the grandparent in her. And we are now overflowing with toys and I'm trying to organize, but I, I actually, you know, I don't know. I never thought about it. Why don't I just put these on display this day? Right. And I know it's maybe that's like so obvious to to somebody listening, but to me, I'm like, I've got this room full of toys. I'm overwhelmed by it, but like. She does play with them sometimes, but I can simplify some of the the choices for her. Totally. People are always asking that about like, where do you store everything? And it's, it's, I really don't much at a time, you know? And I mean, I do have the luxury of like some storage at Union Square play and stuff like that. 
But yeah, I just don't have it all out at one time, you know, or like, why is it not just like always out or or different questions about that. But I think it's so true. In like typical Montessori, which has picked up in, you know, social media norms, and people know a little bit more about it, things are usually pretty like neutral colored, natural wood, I feel like the neutral vibe of how to engage children has really been very trendy. But I was just reading something and I'm also witnessing Soli now go through things where like color is I want to say educating and engaging her I don't know if that's true but people making an argument for the bright colors again and as she's getting older like I am leaning a little bit way out of the neutrals and more into the primary colors because like she's learning purple right like should we jump into shades of purple before we get like solid purple so what are your thoughts on neutrals versus the colorful primaries that are typically found within educational toys or just toys in general? I think the lean into neutrals, similarly, when I would like set up a class, I didn't want a baby mat with a pattern is more less distraction, not like keep it lame (laughs) for lack of a better term. And I think it coincided with like the minimalist sleekness that was more in style, like in, in homes too. Like, I think it was like people just leaned more into neutrals maybe at the same time. So it was like, you know, the high chair that was wood and whatever. So I think all that happened at once. Again, I don't think there's anything detrimental about colors. I was like adamant that the mobile, mobile, I still don't know how to pronounce it, that we had in the crib wasn't too stimulating. Not because I felt like color was bad, but I just didn't think it was necessary. And I thought she was so much more engaging with the black and white, but then you slowly incorporate color. I think it's, I don't think there's anything detrimental about color. I think it's more of a personal preference. And I love what you said that she's into purple. So now should you do shades of purple? It's to me, it's like child led. Absolutely. Mm. She loves purple. Like that's what she's enjoying. So she, you're learning about her. Had you yeah. had a million colors from the start, maybe you wouldn't have realized that she preferred or had this like preference toward purple, or maybe you'll realize it has nothing to do with purple. And she likes saying that word or trying to say that word. Like, I think when you keep it more simple, you have more opportunity to really learn about them and not like feel like you have this agenda of like, you need to learn all the color. Like we give little room to see who they are when there's just so much. A lot of the topics that we've covered so far on paper to a regular person just like listing what the topics that we've talked about, like play materials, sleep, letting a child play. Like they're so vanilla topics, but in the mom world, a lot of them are quite controversial. And I'm curious what your experience is as you put this stuff on social media. Have you experienced backlash from the things that you say? And how do you not personalize that as a parent and a person. I mean, I take things very personally, but. Oh, me too. (laughs) Talk about not calm in that arena. It comes with the territory a little bit. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. 
You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. There are so many times that, especially as I started, the bigger you get or the more people that are following you, the more opportunity there is for that, for sure. So it's more now, but there's definitely certain times where I'm like, this might be dicey, but it's really what I believe and it's Mm. authentic. So I'm going to put it out there. And then like, there's not backlash Mm. and I'm like always surprised by that. And then there's sometimes where I realize later, oh, I missed that there was backlash, whatever. I think it's like such a mixed bag, but it also has made me more mindful. And in terms of how I've handled it, it's felt again, very radical. Like I've grown so much since becoming a parent, but also since having this account and talking about such sensitive things, it's also made me evolve. Like I used to be, I think a very defensive person. I don't like to be, you know, people pleaser by heart. No one can say anything bad about me. So when I would first get those, like I'd take a deep breath and really be like, I appreciate this feedback. I can disagree and we can have like a conversation about it, but I want to first lean into I appreciate that this person did that. I don't always feel that way, but like, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it's same with parenting, like giving your child the most generous interpretation of like their behavior, which For I don't sure. know. Oh, that's beautiful. At, right. I try to do that. Like maybe they're going through something. Maybe this is triggering because it's so not what they've done. And like that brings up a lot. Like I always try and remember this is like such a sensitive thing. I, I try not to really take it personally. Every parent is trying to make the best choices for their child so when you hit that nerve of this is another way to do it even if you don't say the words better whatever just alternative it strikes that chord of did I do you know did I do it wrong then and instead of bringing non-judgment to the arena we're so afraid to mess up at the most important job that we have which is you know a lot of us even if we have jobs that are important most of us want to be really good parents and raise good children and respect them and make them emotional, emotionally feel safe, secure, and quite honestly, different than how we grew up. I, I can't speak for you, but generationally. Yeah, but it is like a real thing. Like I'm even thinking of like there's times when I've like gone to friends' houses and jokingly they're like, we have to put away all the the bright toys, Jenny's. Oh, yeah. Like I don't want it to be, and like they're joking, but like I went to this like fitting with the girls for a kids' fashion show last night and there were moms there and they were interacting with their kids. And I was just like, I hope they feel okay. Like, like I just never, I'm so not judgment. I've been everywhere in the parenting realm with my kids. You know what I mean? But yeah, Yeah, for sure. So transitions are really hard. And, you know, before becoming a mom, I would have thought transitions are like, every couple years. <laughs> I don't know, you know, they go to school, they then graduate and they go to camp or they, they lose a tooth. I don't know, like, you know, things that I remember from childhood, but transitions, at least in the first year, I, you know, now know were all the time, as soon as something settled, it was like time to change. And some of those as a new parent, like you had childhood experience going in, which I know you still probably didn't feel prepared but I had I had none. So I was heavily relying on what other people like the cluster of moms uh, around the same age who had babies the same age like were doing. And I felt like so much pressure by three months. She needs to be off this by six months. She needs to be doing this by 12 months. You know, just one ex- specific example is like formula, right? You're supposed to do it for a year. My baby's 17 months right now and she's still on formula. One bottle. OK, like I don't care. I could bravely say that. But. Me as the mom, when she was three months, six months, nine months even, like I was so worried about making those transitions based off of these like kind of arbitrary 
numbers. Now, does she need to get off of a formula? Does she need the formula? No. But is it harming her? Also, no. No. So I've learned to become like less like these rules. I thought by this time, this whatever. But there there are transitions at all times. It's really quick. It's one of the reasons that I forgot to mention with Union Square Play why it's like completely non-committal, like because you cannot commit to like eight weeks of a specific schedule oh. and it's all drop-in because we're like their nap is going to change tomorrow. It's going to change an hour exactly. from now. So anyway, that's like one of the things we pride ourselves on. But so I just had to bring it up because I we like totally get that. How do you know? But yeah, my sister just two days ago, she is an almost one-year-old is like, wait, so am I supposed to wean off the milk when she turns one or should she already be off the milk at one? And it's like such a real concern like that, like it needs to be like, you know, she, it's real, right? Like she's like, which one is it? And my, <laughs> we have, there's three of us, my older sister and I, she's our youngest. We're like, it's really just starting to think about that, like at the age you know, that you learn about. So for instance, when you're saying it's 17 months, I think Nell was too, but it's really just like that it's in your mind and that it's something, I mean, I cannot preach more about that. And I don't even mean preach, but like in terms of potty training or the timelines. Yeah. Like we're all of that in my head. I'm like, it's in my head. So that means we're working on it. (laughs) And I really believe that. (laughs) I, I love I love that it's it's, it's, like it's somewhere tabbed in my brain. Yeah, I've, I've got the transition formula. I know like she could be on milk or or something else, but I've got the transition formula ready to go. It's been sitting there for months. That'll be that'll be next. But also, what's really cool that I definitely have leaned into from following you is following their cues. And I think a lot of people that I know like transitioning from bottle to sippy cup was that was one of my biggest fears. And then one day she started trying to hold her bottle. And I was like, let me just get a sippy cup so you could hold it with the handles. And literally the transition was like, that was an easy one. Like she never looked back. She still calls it Baba, even though it's sippy cup. But like sometimes as parents, we build up the transitions in our head. But if we follow their cues, they're not really much of a transition. It's kind of cool. Basically what you said is that the transition happened because she let it, right? You, she showed you when she was ready. And so often we start with, oh, this is when I'm going to do it, you know, or this is when I'm supposed to do it, or this is what I've read is when it's supposed to happen. And if instead from the start, we started looking for signs of like readiness in our child. And I know that's really hard when they're an infant, they're not gonna be like, Hey, I'm ready to stop formula, but finding, you know, that they're eating more dairy, you know, whatever it is you know, I I don't want to like get into food because everyone's different in terms of if they have dairy formula or not. But for instance, with like when it was time to like lessen milk, it was when they were eating more food. And I know it can't always be child led. There's different challenges that might arise in, in specific children. And that's when you might need like extra support. But I think starting there is always a good guide, you know? Oh, like I see that my child can pull down their pants. That might mean that they can maybe start to use the potty because before they can pull down their pants, they're not going to be able to independently use a potty, right? If someone's helping them pull down their pants. I just think we often lead with like our agenda and instead like we should kind of see when they're ready. One of the bigger transitions is transitioning from a crib to a bed. I am not there yet, but I know it will be soon. So I wanted to ask you, is that also something that we should look for signs of readiness? What are those signs? No, is there... <laughs> I'm kidding. The sign is that they <laughs> jump out of the crib. <laughs> okay, got it. So, so for that, but no, go on. What is there an age, a timeline in like the, in, in your, in a parent's life that like you want to start making that transition? So I think the value of kind of milestones and like written ages is that it can be a guide. And I think we need to remember that or, you know, a guide to help us understand if a child isn't reaching something at a certain time, you know, to just explore and cover your bases. Something like transitioning to a bed, the reason why it's, you know, I I giggled about it. I actually was just looking through my phone, you know, when you like find something from like three years ago and I had made, started to make this book for Tess when she was transitioning to a bed. I never printed it. But it was like, Tess gets a bed. And I was actually working on, which is like 
I just recently talked about who you are as a mom to one and who you are as a mom later can differ so much and you can kind of feel guilty. Like I would never sit and make a book now. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I guess I wasn't that mom then either because I never printed it. I was working on a book to help prepare her for that transition. But I did the transition before she climbed out of the bed. And speaking of like showing signs of readiness, no, I don't think you need to wait for a child to be like, I'm ready for a bed. But I think you can find this window of time of, you know, maybe it's a sibling is coming in. So you're going to need to give that crib. It, it needs to be the whole family often too, when it's something like that, not like, oh, we're ready for this child to walk. Let's get her to walk, but something where you're transitioning to a bed. So I think that's a factor. And I think, of course, if they've climbed out, it means that for safety reasons, but if none of that has happened and you're just like, when should I do this? I think you do it at a time when you feel like your child's not going to believe, oh, this is now I'm able to just like get out of bed and play. You know, you kind of realize as your child is growing up that they'll value this new routine and want to respect it. Like the bed is for sleeping. When you get into your bed, you stay in your bed, even though you can climb out, you climb out and you call for me, you know, that they can start to comprehend those things. I think doing it before that, it's dicey, right? That's when you run into like where you need to hire someone because they keep getting out of the bed and wandering around the house. Like you have to kind of factor in. And that's why it's so important to really like get to know who your child is from the start, not just like, oh, now all of a sudden I'm thinking about a bed. I should see if they're ready, but really like taking, you know, moments to see who they are. So we did that. Oh, sorry, can I just ask when you say hire somebody, what, hire somebody to do what? I'm not up to that stage. So I, I think it's, and it might just be a New York City thing that people hire people. What does that refer Sorry, to? Sorry, when I said hire, no, it's not. No. I meant like consult with a sleep consultant. Got it. Okay, got it. No, no, no. I was like, okay, <laughs> so there's somebody that. I that comes to us. In my head, a lot of people have run into issues when they transition to beds that are so unmanageable that they've had to consult with a sleep consultant and like gate the room. And that feels like so tough for me. And so that was in my head. I just kind of spoke over it and said, hire someone. I meant like call someone who can guide you on a process of how to like get your child back into, you know, the boundaries around staying in a crib in bed. That can feel really hard if you're doing it when a child has climbed out of their crib and then they now have a bed. It's hard to be like, but this isn't for climbing out of, you know, it, it can become a real tough. So journey. that was the question specifically from my friend Irene, who, you know, always asks, what could Jenny do? She is pregnant, going to have her second in about a month or two. Her baby's three, transitioned to a bed a month or so ago. And prior to this was like the angel perfect sleeper. And now she's like running into her bed and it's problematic just because Irene has a full-time job. Um, she's very pregnant. She needs her rest. And like, how do you find that balance between respecting what they need, which might mean more love, comfort, support during this time with the modern world of what the mom needs to do the next day in order to literally survive? This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. 
You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Like, how do you find that balance between respecting what they need, which might mean more love, comfort, support during this time with the modern world of what the mom needs to do the next day in order to literally survive? Absolutely. And kudos to her for like doing it now if that crib is going to the baby and not to be like doing it so close to that. I would always recommend that. But I think this is what we were saying before that everyone has to kind of find what works best for them. I know that what I would probably do and what I've done in different shape and form, and this might be like controversial, is set physical boundaries and without a gate. I know that a lot of sleep consultants would tell her to have a gate, leave the door open and really just set that boundary. I know you're safe, I love you, and you're gonna stay in your room because it's not safe to allow you out of your room at night when everyone's sleeping. I would probably, and I'm just thinking of my daughter's bed now, she has like a lower Montessori bed, sleep next to her on like a mattress or something Mm -hmm. for like a night or two. And every time she woke up and was going to get out, I would say, I'm not going to let you get out of bed. It's time to sleep. And I've never read that anywhere. I'm just thinking what I would truly do. And that just comes from how I set boundaries physically from the start. Also, when a child is going to hit or reach for an outlet, I physically prevent when I'm catching it and say, I won't let you. Like I'm the sturdy leader in your life to keep you safe. And it's hard I to love say that. I won't let you if you're like across the room or you're through the monitor. I won't let you get out of bed, you know? So I'm just picturing that I would maybe do that. And also you get the most rest that way, right? Like right. I'm a proponent of like whatever you got to do to get the most rest and that disturbs you the least. And in many cases for me, that's finding a way to sleep next to her. The other night I was in the crib, which apparently somebody on TikTok told me I broke the bed by my weight limit and went off on me for that. But whatever. Anyway, the bed is fine. Um, okay. I think that's really, 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 really helpful information. And I know I asked the specific question, but I, I think that's in some way or another could apply to a lot of us as we go through that transition. What about tantrums? You know, I think that like our parents or grandparents hitting children was normal. Then in our generation, I don't know if that was ever normal or I, I believe in my mind that was normal generationally. It definitely doesn't as bad as we think of it is now. Right. In our generation, like I was put in a timeout or like go to your room, um, that sort of thing. I don't know if that's still very in, but I know from like reading your page, like a tantrum is not just like a baby being a quote unquote brat or whatever, like something is dysregulated within them. How can we help a baby who is dysregulated without putting punishment on what they may already be dealing with some negative feelings? When children have tantrums from the start, whether they're infants, two or three years old, when we do things like give a timeout or send them to their room or hit, they're left with no tools. And so if we think about tantrums as a lack of tools, a lack of tools to regulate, we realize, okay, to help a child, I need to give them tools. And so often we have felt that a tantrum equates bad when really a tantrum equates emotions that they need help and support through. We realize, okay, in order to to give them those tools, I can't believe that this is something that's bad, but I need to help support them through it. We, for many years, felt like some emotions are bad, right? And then when we felt them in adulthood, we didn't know how to handle them and it leads to a whole array of things. And so the most refreshing thing to me about approaching children's behavior with, oh, I need to fill their toolbox 
is that all emotions are kind of on equal level, just some are harder to feel than others. And so when a child's having a tantrum, they're experiencing maybe a bunch of those at one time or one that's particularly hard. And to me, it's like a cry out for, I don't know how to deal with this. And so sending them to their room or a timeout or giving a punishment for that doesn't help for next time. So often we think that we have to train children. That's what it is. And when we realize that we're not training children, so it's often, oh, they won't learn if Mm. I don't train them, you know, and giving those conditions to train. And so, yeah, you can, of course, train a child to suppress emotions and scare them away from emotions, but that's what we do to animals. We raise children, right? We don't train them. And that to me is the absolute rule of thumb. And I think in the past, generationally, it's like, if I don't do this, they won't learn. And if I don't train them, they won't learn. And really in order to help them to learn, you have to give tools. So some tools that you were asking me to kind of elaborate on, obviously it depends. You know, if it's a child who can express themselves verbally, it's easy for us to say, oh, tell me if you're upset, don't kick and scream. But if they don't have that language or it's not easy for them to access, give them other tools. You're really angry. I wonder if stomping your feet will help or, oh, you're so angry or you're so angry, you're as angry as this whole house. Like really meeting them in that anger instead of like, you're okay, calm down, stop crying. Really helping them to feel seen to me is validating them. Yeah. Sometimes that's Mm. all that it takes to start to regulate. Oh, someone sees me. I don't need to cry louder or kick harder. One of the things, yeah, I'm really actively working on is like when some, when something's upsetting to her. And I think there's a really big difference between like moderate upset and next level upset, you know, (laughs) but my, my go-to is if like, I know the world is safe, you know, I'm like, you're okay. You're okay. You're okay. And I'm trying to pull back on that Obviously, there are some instances where she needs to know you're okay, I think. Yeah. That that's okay. And then there are others where I want to, like, make space so that, like, she can tell me if she's okay or not. Totally. And that gets a bad rap. You can say mm. you're okay. I just don't think it's as helpful. But, yeah. For sure. Feel- okay. Yeah. This was also a really cool lesson that I, I learned. My dad, you know, and grandparents, I feel like everybody has like stuff with their grandparents or in-laws or whatever. But my dad, you know, he's 70 something years old. How he interacts with a 17 month old is he's not reading the books, not like, you know, whatever. It's different. And so very early on, like he needs a connection. He needs to get like feedback from her in order to feel like he has a relationship, like whatever. So early on, he figured out that like if he takes her doctor set and he hits his knee and screams ow, like that makes her laugh. And it was adorable in the beginning. And then it became this thing where she would come over, grab the thing, hit him, ow, get the reaction. And then like it made me very nervous that she was going to start hitting people or feel sad that I had to like walk this behavior back that she didn't know was bad, you know, harmful. So I had asked my therapist, like, what do I do? Like my dad's sensitive to the subject because he thinks I'm calling him, you know, she's this. She, I don't want to take that, like punish her for something she didn't know was right or wrong. And she's like, the best way to stop a behavior is just not to acknowledge it. So that just saved me so much energy. Mm-hmm. And that being said, like she was a certain age where that was appropriate. But for preschool, kindergarten, a a child picks up a negative behavior, hitting, biting, you know, what is the best way to stop that behavior that has maybe not, that has actual implications to hurt another child or negative social implications for that child within the setting? Yeah. And I think there's so much in that example you just gave that there's this fear often that they'll learn something in one setting and apply it in like every setting, you know, similarly when they come and we let them like paint on the mirrors. Parents are like, are they gonna wanna paint on the mirrors at home? And I think that we don't give children enough credit, you know, that they, like she only did that with grandpa, right? Like, but you were worried that maybe she would do it with others. But I kind of think that maybe she would be able to, and not every child be like, this is only with grandpa. And it, but it's still confusing, right? So I think we, you know, want to help make sense of things. So for instance, if a child came home and said the word stupid and we said, I won't let you say that, but they've heard it at school. I think the overall approach is you may hear or see someone do X, Y, and Z, but I won't let you do that. Or what are some other things we could do 
instead of that. And it's so nuanced. Like, you know, as they get older, when someone says the word stupid and your child says that, thinking about how does that make you feel if someone were to say you're stupid and kind of talking through that. But when it's a hit, you know, and they've picked up the hit, if you've said enough and set a boundary enough around hitting at home, they start to learn I'm not going to hit, I'm going to do X instead that mommy or daddy have helped me with over time, even if I see someone else do it. And it sets the stage for all the things in life that they're going to see and witness, but that they'll be confident not to pick up because they're their own person. It's a loaded thing, but it's the louder voice that I always talk about. Like when the, the parents are the louder voice and being that louder voice, no matter you know, what they see or hear. Yeah, you've given such good advice. I, everybody's getting like a free consulting, parenting consulting lesson here. So thank you so much. On your website, you say that children aren't a science project or a math problem that we solve. And they're changing, growing, evolving, and our approaches sometimes need to as well. What have worked before may not work now. And I think that a lot of us, or let me just speak for myself, like in the beginning phases, I kept thinking there was a finish line to like the hard part. And the more I'm around moms who are older than me that have teenage kids or outside of college, it's just like a constant evolution. And looking at it that way, although might seem more daunting that there is no more finish line for me has actually felt much more freeing and allowed me to realize that like, okay, she's sleeping through the night now. Like I don't attach to anything. And I, I practice, that is a mindfulness practice that I practice in my, my daily life. But when it came to parenting, I was not practicing, you know, that as well. So I, I just really, really love that. I know we are short on time. So I just wanted to ask one thing regarding the heroic mother that does it all. In today's culture, society, a lot of mothers gain pride or a feeling of self-worth by doing it all themselves, not asking for help. What is that heroic mother missing in their life? Well, one thing is that, like, you never... I'm not that mom. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> um, and, and again, when people have said, how do you do it all? I'm like, oh, I don't, though. Like, you know, a ball is always dropped somewhere. So I think, you know, what I can answer about both of those things is acceptance to me is, like, the biggest, biggest thing to take away from that. That even if it seems as though there's a mom that does it all, or even if you feel like you're close to the mom that does it all, accepting that that's not what you should strive for because it's not possible. And if you feel you've done that, there's probably something that's not quite all there. Maybe you haven't been present enough with your kids or whatever it is. Something is always a push and and pull. And even with yourself, like if you're the mom that is in my experience, the mom that does it all, like, and there is obviously a difference between like accepting childcare in your life and not being able to to afford it. But a lot of people I know like feel even, even moms that aren't working won't even let like a babysitter into their life because they feel like they need to do it all. That's their job. That's their role. But what is being sacrificed, what I've witnessed is a lot of time their their mental health. Their totally. Own I should have given that example instead of like the. No, I, I don't think I guided you in the appropriate, <laughs> like, no, but, but you did. So true. You yeah. Like then you're sacrificing self or you're sacrificing your relationship. Like there's just, you know, it's a living, breathing thing to be a mom and to be a mom that does it all. I just don't even think that's what we should strive for. Right. It should just be. Yeah. That's what I meant. Like in the beginning, I, you know, I got by because I reached out to you and I showed you my, I can't do this. Like this is what the inside of my home and my relationship looks like. And that created a connection to you in the outside world, which I didn't look like the hero wife. I didn't look like the hero mom. And yet like, that's fine. That that was that fits me. That fits you. That fits us. So I think that we just need to step away from that. Okay, I need to respect your time because you got to get back to doing your mom I thing. I could talk for hours about. Thank you. So we'll put all of Jenny's links below, as well as maybe you could share like a few of um, I know the salad spinner and any of like the favorite toys. You can send me a link, and I'll put that below. Sorry, not toys, non-toy toys that are engaging. That you probably already have in your home too. Like maybe those sorts of ideas. We'll link all of Jenny's information below. So thank you, Jenny, for living your truthiest life, putting it all out there every day as a person, a parent. I know that it comes with backlash, but we are all better individuals and moms and parents because of you. So thank you. Thank you so much. 
This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 